Lay on. Climb when ready. Okay, climbing. Climb on. Thank you. Hello, listeners of Great Wide Open. This is your host, Lisa, and I am actually out live in the field today. We are at the Theater Crag on the River Road here in Moab, Utah, and I have the pleasure of both climbing and speaking with one of our trail ambassadors here in Moab. The Trail Ambassador Program is a relatively new program, and one of its aims is to educate outdoor users about best practices they can use here in the wild. And I'm gonna let um, our ambassador introduce himself and tell you a little bit about himself. Hello, my name is Ian. I am a climbing ambassador with the Trail Ambassador Program. I moved to Moab about a year and a half ago, last May, and was gonna come for one season and decided to stay forever. I joined the Trail Ambassadors this fall and we're just getting out, talking to people about responsible recreation, specifically for hiking, motorized uh, recreation, biking, and climbing. That's so awesome. So going back to you a little bit, what drew you to Moab? So I graduated from college in December of 2021 and didn't know what I was doing with my life. And I knew I wanted to work for Outward Bound and I saw that they had a Moab base and someone told me Moab was cool. And, and that was about as much of the decision-making process it was for me. Got the job and came to Moab and you know, just couldn't get away after that. That's funny because um, I think your uh, experience parallels a lot of ours, like pretty much identically to mine, except for the Outward Bound component. Mm -hmm. How did you find out about the Trail Ambassador program? Uh, so I remember going to Mill Creek uh, last fall with, uh, with a buddy who was visiting and seeing the Trail Ambassadors and was amazed that they're just giving out stickers and water and electrolytes and doing wag bags and, and the such. And... Uh, and I became friends with a, with a couple other trail ambassadors this year. So when uh, guiding season was slowing down, I figured it'd be perfect time to pick up some ambassador work. And it stuck. Yeah, and here, and here I am now, walking around at Crags and getting to talk to people all day and be around rock climbing all the time and meeting some really awesome people. We'll circle back on um, some of the details that you just mentioned, like uh, wag bags and water and um, just land use practices but um can you give us like a general overview um of the trail ambassador program and like how it functions on a day-to-day -day and week-to-week -week basis here in the lab yeah so um so we we have a we have a shed that we'll meet at and you know pick up our supplies which includes lots of educational material we have uh, samples of cryptobiotic soil wa uh, and water resources that we can give out to people and we'll all go our ways, whether it's out to Navajo Rocks, Bar M, for biking, uh, Poison Spider, or Hell's Revenge, fins and things for motorized, uh, Wall Street Ice Cream Parlor, and Takeout Beach, where we are right now, for uh, for rock climbing, and then Mill Creek, Corona Arch, and Grand Staff Canyon for the hiking. And we'll rove around, we'll give people uh, tips about sun protection, how to have water, what, what to expect in a various... Uh, trail systems at crags will help direct towards certain climbs based on guidebooks and then uh reconvene fill out our reports about what we saw today and go back home i'm presuming most of the listeners who listen to kzmu are quite familiar with things like 
um, the cryptobiotic or cryptogamic or whatever people tend to call it in this area because it's mm -hmm. had like 16 different names. Yeah. Fortunately, shortened from the cyanobacteria, blah, 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 of yore. Mm -hmm. um, do you find that a difficult concept to explain to people who are new users to the area? Yeah, so talking about crypto is, I'd say, 90% of what we do. You know, it's so important and so easily uh, destroyable. I think that generally, um, it can be it, it it can change depending on where we're at. You know, like a lot of the crags that we uh, that I'm at are pretty heavily tread, so there's not as much crypto there to like demonstrate with, and it's and it's more theoretical. Like, hey, if you go somewhere else, watch out for this. But um, at other cra at other areas like Mill Creek or Grand Staff, it's a lot more evident and apparent there, so it's a bit easier to talk about because we. Uh, We've done trainings with Science in Moab, and a big part of that is teaching, is learning how to teach. And so uh, our, an, an emphasis of ours is uh, see, mean, and understand, I believe. I'm, I'm mess, messing that exact order up, but seeing what's around us why it's, and understanding it and why it's important is a big part of like the education. So definitely depends on the area. But in my experience, people have been pretty receptive and understanding and, uh, and wanting to... Uh, Stay off the crust, especially when we empower them with stickers. If you stay off the trail, you get a sticker. I have my sticker. Nice. I mean, there's no evidence that I ha stayed on the trail, <laughs> but I can say for the record that I do not crunch the crypto. Well, we love to hear that. You also get a sticker if you poop in a bag. If you use the wag bags, you get a sticker for that as well. Do you have to, and um, for those of you who aren't familiar, a wag bag is, um, do you remember what the acronym stands for? Waste... Anyway, you can look it up, dear listeners, what a wag bag is, but it is a bag that outdoor recreationalists can carry with them. And you can um, poop in this bag and it has a fixative in it, just like an RV would have a fixative in it or some other thing like that. And the importance, explain maybe the importance of not just stop drop and roll as far as waste management is concerned yeah so poop in lots of areas around around the world uh, is used at can for, for fertilizer to help uh, plants grow and things like that but in the desert we have such a delicate fragile ecosystem things like poop and uh, waste products like that can take decades to uh, decompose properly especially with uh, with the cryptobiotic soil you know the, po the point of the crypto is that it's taking up a lot of the space in between plant life out here and uh it doesn't really do a very good job of breaking down uh poop and things like that so when we have uh, three million people coming through moab every year if everyone was was uh, burying their poop instead of carrying it out we would be swarmed with it in uh, a couple of years well so i think one thing a lot of people don't also realize is that um when fecal matter starts to build up, especially in an atmosphere like we have, um, environment like we have where it does not break down, it can actually, E. coli and whatnot can start seeping into the water table and mm -hmm. can present a problem for the potable water in town, not just the environment at the crag or on the trail. Mm -hmm. And we don't want that to happen. We do not want that to happen. My, my scientific not, opinion. We do not want to be drinking E. coli on a no, regular no, basis. No. Um, at least not in quantity. So then another aspect is educating people who are new to the area about how crucial hydration is. Mm -hmm. Do you find that to be an easy thing to get across or are people like, huh? I come from Illinois where there's trees everywhere. Yeah. And I don't understand this. Yeah, it, uh, 
usually climbers I find are for the most part pretty good with coming prepared, you know, generally speaking. But it's uh, we don't really bring big jugs of water with us to go to the crags, but we always carry electrolyte tablets on us and people are always happy to take those. Definitely at, um, at the hiking trails and sometimes biking trails, that's where people tend to be less prepared. Hiking generally because that's where the most um, out of town visitors are coming from as opposed to locals who might know, know the scene a bit better. So out of towners will come and you know not bring water. So we provide water bottles, we provide electrolytes and we have lots of big jugs of water to, to allow people to fill up with uh, at, at hiking trails. So one of the things that I personally think would be difficult being a trail ambassador is as you um, did today, walking up to a group of strangers um, in your trail ambassador t-shirt and coming <laughs> up to them so and introducing yourself. And do you find that difficult? Do you find people bristly or do you find people generally open? Like what's your, what's, yeah. give us your, give us your pitch. It can be pretty hit or miss sometimes there's a lot of like uh finding the right timing you know you don't want to always get someone when they're like lead belang someone or just getting off the ground and y yeah you know you definitely have to be a bit of a social butterfly for this type of work and comfortable being in uncomfortable situations and you know so especially with climbing you know climbers generally know their thing and what they got going on and we have a lot of locals that i interact with a lot as well who know all all about crypto already so it can be tough trying to go up and talk to them but it but at the very least we want to like let our presence be known and uh be like hey there's and let people know there's an educational uh person here who can teach you about just where certain routes are or teach you about you know what the desert varnish is and how how the sandstone layers form and things like that yeah, will people, will the climbers, since you're specifically a climbing ambassador, will people ask you for information about the crag and what the routes are and any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, a lot of people have guide uh, have guidebooks with them or Mountain Project, but um, it helps being experienced with the area. So yeah, so you haven't had too much difficulty. Has anyone ever given you like the bum rush, like, dude, just walk away? Or do you vibe you, on you people? Yeah, you kind of just le learn to read it with people, you know, so, and that can lead to some really awkward interactions like... So I'll be around. Good talk to you later. Bye. If you feel the movement coming on, I've got an extra bag in my pocket. Yeah, something like you know, just let, just gotta always let everyone know that that you're the resource, and you know, we find that just having the presence of trail ambassadors can positively change people's actions to for more responsible recreation habits, which is what we're all about. You know, it's what we need to do. Yeah. If you had like little tidbit of advice but if you had one thing that you would love to convey to um outdoor recreationalists both people that have been here forever or people that are new to the area what would be your um, favorite thing to say about interaction in this environment mm. we're all in this together trying to maintain access to, to these areas you know Similarly, if we act irresponsibly, we can lose access to these areas. We can destroy these areas. We can destroy the environment. The, de the desert in particular is incredibly delicate out here. And, and, you know, there's a strong reason why Grand County is investing so much into this program so we can, we can have responsible recreation. You know, Moab sees 3 million visitors every single year compared to five to 6,000 locals that, that stay here. 
So we see a lot of impact. So doing your part to minimize that impact, stay on previously impacted areas, you know, doing all that work is, um, is really valuable. And it's easy to see, to see the negative impacts, but it's hard to see the positive impacts. So just know that those positive impacts are there and, uh, you're doing your part to, you know, make sure everyone can still climb and hike and recreate out here. That's what it's all about. Well, thank you so much, Ian, and uh, have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much for spreading the good word um, to everybody and hope to see you out here at the crag as the season goes on. Yeah, hope, hope to see you soon. Have a good one. Welcome to part two of our three interviews this month on Great Wide Open concerning um, all things Moab, Grand County Active Transport and Moab Trail Mix and the Moab Trail Ambassadors Program. I'm sitting here now with Anna Sprout. And Anna, why don't you introduce yourself? GCAT stands for Grand County Active Transportation and Trails, and I am the Responsible Recreation Program Coordinator. Part of my role is managing the Moab Trail Ambassador Program, which focuses on on-trail education for hiking, biking, climbing, and motorized recreation. And the last time you and I spoke, Anna is a returning guest on Great Wide Open. Last time we spoke, you had just started this um, this new job. I did, yes. And it was a pretty um, expansive list of tasks to possibly take on. Um, the main focus of my job during that time was uh, sustaining the Trail Ambassador Program, um, building up training, building up staff, and uh, reaching users out on hiking and biking trails. So we have grown quite a bit in the past year and a half that I have been working in this position. So I'm, I'm excited. So in 2022, we only had a hiking and biking program. And with that program, we talked to uh, well, we, we encountered over, I believe, 57,000 individuals, those, those other people who may have just seen us. Um, out of those 57,000, we educated 36,000 of those folks in some form of responsible recreation or preventative search and rescue. It's a pretty large number for first year. And this year, we have since maintained our hiking and biking program for 2023. We also expanded, expanded into climbing and motorized use. So we're super excited about that. We have two climbing ambassadors right now and two motorized ambassadors out on the trails at the crags. That's so awesome. I didn't realize that you had expanded to motorized. Yes, that was new in 2023. Um, we just kind of want to get a foundation for it right now. We recognize that it's a community um, that recreates here actively, and um, they can also benefit from the resources that we have at our table, such as wag bags, um, educational information, preventative search and rescue information, um, and you know, I never call anything swag. I call it educational incentives. So educational incentives like a spill kit in the event that they spill some oil or other type of fluid on the trail. So everything that we provide, it ha comes with intention to practice leave no trace or tread lightly practices. Let's just do a little backtrack and recap what the trail ambassador program, we're, getting, we're hinting at it, but let's just give that, give me that pitch. A trail ambassador is 
an on-trail education presence that focuses on how to recreate responsibly in the Moab Desert. And that covers a wide range of topics depending on the use that the visitors has in the area. So if they're out and they're hiking on Corona Arch, we'll probably talk about biocrust, water needs, um, dog waste. Uh, we'll check in and see if they're camping. If they're camping, we'll talk about wag bags. Uh, we'll talk about archaeology, which they'll see on Potash Road. And then let's say we are biking. We'll talk about how to pass each other on a bike trail to avoid widening the trail. Um, we'll talk about courtesy while interacting with alternate users. Of course, water and biocrust as well. And then we'll also inquire into their other activities. Are you going hiking? Are you going to go do, are you going to sand flats? You know, what does it look like to recreate on different types of public lands as well in the area? And if you're climbing, there's a whole wide conversation and it starts with biocrust, um, talking about wet rock and you know, group expansion along the crag, consideration of others, dog etiquette, um, search and rescue, preventative search and rescue information. So um, just checking in that people have water, that they're prepared for their day. And then if you're motorized, similar topics, um, along with uh, education about the new OHV education course that the state has enacted and uh, spill kits and signage on some of our trails. So just knowing where you are and having the correct map and GPS device. So it's a broad range of topics. And sometimes it's really just dependent on what that user needs um, and what their questions are. And uh, if, you know, if they're willing to share what their activities are for the day. We have about 10 staff out there providing some form of on-trail education to help protect our natural resources and the spaces that we recreate in, um, which are really important for our economy. If you want like a spiel, I could definitely pull one out right now. <laughs> what do you want to know? <laughs> Ask a question. Well, I've, I'd be curious actually a little bit about the spiel with the motorized because, uh, you know, until this very moment, yeah. sitting here on your back porch, I didn't know that it had expanded to motorized. So I'd love to hear um, that and also like, do the ambassadors approach the user or do they let the user come to them? So how that goes down? That's a really, I'm going to focus on that one first. How do we approach people? It's very dependent on um, our setup. So if we have a tent at a trailhead, you'll see us, we're bright green. Um, people are sometimes inclined to kind of see what we're doing, why we're out there. Trail ambassadors are trained to try to pull people in if they're interested. Uh, so we actually in training, we practice. I'm the visitor and I walk by super fast. I probably don't want to be talked to. I'm the visitor. I'm kind of looking, but I'm unsure. Uh, we as a trail ambassador might want to step up and kind of pull them in and tell them what we're doing. Then, of course, people approach us. And that's um, that's really good engagement on the visitor's part. And then, you know, if we're out on the trail like we typically are for all for hiking, biking and climbing, um, we might approach the group. And that's coming on with a very friendly demeanor, uh, asking questions about 
are you enjoying Moab? What's your favorite part? Kind of building this in to, to understand their perspective and their experience here. Um, and then kind of gauge how much knowledge they may or may not have and fill in those gaps. And then when it comes to motorized, sometimes there is that we have to approach. We have the tent, they're setting up their gear because, um, you know, they travel with quite a bit of equipment. And so our motorized trail ambassadors do have to be confident approaching people uh, when they're ready. Of course, we don't want to interrupt folks when they're getting their gear together, but approaching them before they leave the parking lot. And that can be pretty intimidating for your first couple uh, tries. But a lot of times it's just, hey, folks, how you doing? I hope you're enjoying your time out here. Um, I'm a trail ambassador. I work for the county and our focus is on on-trail education. Um, if you have any questions, just let me know, but we have a lot of resources here for you. And that spiel looks a little different depending on somebody, you know, our staff's personality and the way that they approach folks. But uh, in general, yeah, we, we do approach people, um, hopefully with a really positive demeanor and an intention to kind of meet you where you want to be met. So. If you don't want to talk to us, you don't have to. <laughs> but we love, I mean, our staff are super friendly um, and they they love learning and they love learning about people and the environment. So approaching our staff, you'll, you'll have a really good positive conversation with them. So, I mean, every form of recreation has its um, disputes within how land should be utilized but we try to remain very very neutral when it comes to um, land use um, and other political um, challenges that the county may be facing so yeah folks out there as trail ambassadors are positive neutral and just ready to help make sure that you have uh a great day outside. It's a good reminder that our natural resources are a product uh, for our economy. People come out here to see our desert and it has it has a value in the visitor experience um, and we really want to protect visitor experience by educating visitors, new community members, whoever it is, how to um, respect the recreational resources we have here. So that's, that's the main goal of the program. Part of our business training program, which is in its pilot stage, um, and this program is focused on educating retail, hotel, restaurant staff, so folks who have hundreds of interactions a day um, on how to communicate responsible recreation messaging that um, we, within a short amount of time, when you are working retail, um, your customer interactions are quick. So how do we take all of this information and put it into a sentence? We do that by not only providing folks who may not have been exposed to the, the resources we have, so like archaeology and um, biocrust, they may not know about it. They may be brand new to the area. They may be seasonal. And so we educate them on that resource, and then we put it into a, a sentence structure that communicates where somebody may be going, what they may see, and how they can protect it. So where are you going, Mill Creek? What will you see, um, Biocrust? Um, how do you protect it? Stay on the trail. 
oh, you're going to Mill Creek? There's Biocrest out there. It's really important to stay on the trail. Have fun, right? So our hope is that responsible recreation messaging is infused before they meet our trail ambassadors on the trail so that they have a little a light bulb in their head and they feel inclined to approach a trail ambassador and go, oh, I've heard about Biocrust. The employee at this retail store or the hotel told me there's something called Biocrust? What is that? And so infusion through signage, through on-trail education, through contacts within their in-town experience, just making it more present within, within a visitor's experience. Everybody who took the post-survey, there was a significant increase in the confidence of their knowledge. And 100% of them said that they would recommend this training to others. And so that's really that's good news numbers. for me. Yeah. <laughs> right? So um, that's really good news. Um, and then other businesses have reached out to me just asking to make this type of education more accessible. Mm-hmm. And so we've taken those requests, the pilot program, to actually start the stages to build an online education course for local businesses um, who do experience a rotation in employees. So this is ideally, and I can't say for certain just yet, but a 30, maybe a 30 minute commitment to understand biocrust, you know, human waste initiatives. When we think about the five tips of Moab videos, let's break it down and put it into um, a little, a little bit more information within each and then structured as an online course so that an employee could finish it pretty quickly. Um, And that it's accessible for free to all local businesses to use when they onboard employees. Um, It's my personal opinion that the more an employee knows about the environment that a visitor is going to recreate in, um, the more valid their, their information is to the user or the visitor. So, hey, I know about Biocrest, just like the trail ambassadors. Messages that align with this, the research that's being done by a lot of our local uh, scientists and the message that I think many of us want to be putting out there um, helps bring a little more validity to, your, to an employee's uh, interaction. Providing agency to a visitor is incredibly important, um, and it you know, providing that education, which creates the agency, means that we as a program have the potential to change on-trail norms. Um, and we've actually just completed a study with Utah State University on the um, effect and effectiveness of our program. Um, we've only seen preliminary results, so we really can't speak to it too much, but that information should be made public as soon as we receive it. We're excited to see, you know, what impact our program has on visitor agency and and on trail norms. So a year and a half approximately into this, what would you say from your perspective are the greatest successes you've seen and areas that you think will need some tweaking or improvement? My personal success is um, we just received a $250,000 grant from the OHVR, um, the Division of Outdoor Recreation here in Utah, um, that will help us fill a full-time 
motorized trail ambassador position. So somebody who has the experience within the motorized community, um, has the ability to recreate as a motorized user, um, and will help build out the motorized trail ambassador program to fit the needs of that community. So I'm really excited to have that coming up in 2024. Um, it also comes with two UTVs, which uh, we desperately want to be providing on-trail education. We, we recognize how important it is to be out there on the trail in the actual environment, educating about what we see directly on the sides of the trail. It validates the visitor's experience that we're out there on the trail providing education and we can do what they're doing too. Right. And that brings it, that brings people in to be like, oh, you also, you know, recreate in this way and you provide education, all of a sudden I have more trust for you. Yeah. Um, and that's important within that community, just as it is in every other community, you know, to see a trail ambassador out there riding their bike. Oh, you know, I saw your staff there. I see you here. You know, these trails, that's, uh, that lifts the confidence of our users when they meet us. So I'm really excited about that as a program. I'm really proud of our staff. Um, they, you know, they, they absorb our training like a sponge. So they're science certified, they're leave no trace, uh, level one certified, you know, they go through communication practice, um, whether, you know, whether that is how do we approach people, how do we change behavior via authority of the resource, which is a communication technique to change behavior, and how do we um, address more challenging conversations that require us to de-escalate a situation or a conversation. And so they go through a a lot of training to make sure that they're ready and confident on trail. Um, and in the past, uh, so we started our pilot program in 2021, full year in 2022, and then now we're kind of finishing up our second full year in 2023. Our contact rate for how many people we see versus how many people we educate has remained between 59 and 63% of the percent. So, which means we, talk to about 63% of the people that 60% of the people that we see. And I think that their ability to maintain that contact rate um, is incredibly impressive across two years. It means that folks are, our, our staff are out there and um, are communicating with people. So we take reports on um, every type of contact, the type of users that we may see. And so we're really happy to be tracking that number and seeing it sustain itself over the past two years. Yeah, that's fantastic. I know that's a that's a a big thank you to our to our trail ambassadors and that and our team. <laughs> and if you're listening, trail ambassadors, you guys are all the ones I've met. You're doing a fantastic job. It's really fun to encounter you in the field. I'm continually improving our training so that it becomes um, inclusive of all of our partners and and our partners. There's a lot of them. <laughs> so, you know, I have to consider the BLM, the Forest Service, the state um, within our training, um, Sand Flats Recreation Area, now the Access Fund, the, <laughs> uh, you know, we have Science Moab that I, I really want, I like to pull in because it gives, a, you know, another great skills on communication. 
bringing in all of those entities, uh, making sure that they all feel represented within the training. And that's super important because we have so many different types of public lands within our county, um, giving a very clear, you know, very clear picture of what the working parts are within our county and how we can communicate that information to visitors, I think is um, something we've done, but I think it's something that we could continually improve on. So I'm really excited for that. And then we're also bringing in SHPO to help get our staff site, site steward training, which means that they'll be um, stewarding the Mill Creek and Poison Spider um, resources in that, in that space. So I'm really excited for for that as well. So it's too many partners to count, but um, I think that another great sign of success. Another great sign, to count. and and um, having a lot of folks collaborating on this initiative only makes it more successful um, because we get so many different perspectives on how we can sustain and improve our program. And so when we have all of these partners bearing witness to what we're doing on trail and providing feedback, we can only improve um, the connection of the visitors to the landscape. So I'm really, that, I think that's an area of growth that I'm really excited to, to prioritize in the coming season. Well, that's fantastic. And I know I can speak for so many people saying we look forward to seeing how this program yeah. continues to grow and blossom yeah. and just make Moab a better place for all of us. Perfect. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on here. I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming back, Anna. Of course. Hello, Great Wide Open listeners. This is once again your host, Lisa, and I am sitting here um, with Colin Topper, and we're going to continue the conversation today regarding all the great stuff that's going on with Moab with um, operations like trail mix and the ambassador and stewardship programs that have been going on. Colin, the last time you and I spoke was two years ago on a great wide open episode that centered around um, e-bikes and the role that they could play on public lands and where they may or may not be welcomed or where they may or may not should or should not be. But let's hear from you with where we are at with some of those topics regarding e-bikes, because some things have changed since last we spoke. And Lisa, thanks for having me. It's nice to be here. Um, but they have changed, but we're still waiting and still trying to be, be careful and uh, play it safe with our, uh, you know, evolution of how we, we incorporate e-bikes both into our, our landscape, but also into our, our town infrastructure. Um, and so we're, you know, one of the ways that I, I mean that is by just looking at how other, other communities have, have taken this and it is such a moving target that the technology is, is just exploding so fast and, and also the, the popularity as well. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that we're doing right now is we are, uh, well, well, nothing has changed with our existing single track trails that were built with non-motorized, no, non-motorized funding, excuse me. We are trying to uh, look at our new development as possibly uh, allowing for or being developed to accommodate e-bikes, um, that, that class one e-bikes on our, on our uh, backcountry trails. And then a uh, very hot topic right now is, is e-bikes on, you know, as 
uh, transportation and recreation means on the, the Mill Creek Parkway and some of the, the paved pathways around and, and extending outside of town. So that, that's, that's really the, the hot topic right now. So currently, what is the status of, and again, we're going to specify, and if we don't specify, we are talking about class one e-bikes, which are pedal assist e-bikes. They don't have a throttle. You have to pedal them. So for people who aren't familiar um, with what an e-bike is, well, A, go back and listen to (laughs) our conversation from October of 2021, and B, listen with the understanding that we are not talking about like mini motorcycles we are talking about bicycles that have to be pedaled correct and and then another importing uh, important defining characteristic is that class 1 e-bikes are also governed at 20 miles an hour that the the assist to your pedaling shuts off at 20 miles an hour so that while the bikes could go faster than 20 miles an hour you're no longer being assisted by an electric motor uh and then the the class 2s you're, you have an added throttle. And to me personally, that's where we get completely away from actually being a bicycle or a, you know, some kind of mobility device. It, it's a fascinating thing. I mean, I, uh, and there, there's actually absolutely a fitness <clears throat> component to it. And I think even more valuable, there is just an, an, uh, an access or adaptability component to it. I, you know, e-bikes that the technology allows for people who otherwise wouldn't be able to, to, to both enjoy our trails or enjoy trails, you know, in other cases, avoid, uh, getting into a car to go to the the grocery store to go to work or something else in, in and around town. And so there, there's some really amazing, uh, opportunities that are presented by this technology. And then the flip side of it too, is that it, there, it is, it is a motor and, uh, you know, it does, that does absolutely complicate things when you're talking about non-motorized pathways and it does allow for a user to a little bit easy, more easily, uh, reach speeds that otherwise, and, and, uh, at a at quicker than than would otherwise be be possible, and so there there are some some user conflict uh, potentials that are introduced by by e bikes. So often, or if not always, what it comes down to, it's the user, and and you know something that I hear often is that that you know when we're talking about things like the parkway, is that speed is speed, and there there are people you know without pedal assist that are going way too fast on the our our wonderful parkway, and. Uh, you know, it's so it, it so often comes down to the, the operator. Absolutely. So speaking of the parkway, um, when last we spoke, we were still as a community working on ways to get it permitted that e-bikes would be able to use the entirety of the bike path from town, and I'm not sure where we're starting in town, to um, the brands or that general vicinity. Where are we at with that? So currently... Class one e-bikes are on all allowed on all paved pathways in town and now extending all the way up the paved pathway to 313. There are some challenges associated with this this increased opportunity for folks to to utilize those machines on our, our paved paths. But I, I think that those those challenges are certainly surmountable. Um, you know, to me, I think there's there's such amazing benefit in one of my strongest motivators is is to try to get vehicles off the road less vehicles on the road um and this is a great opportunity to do so it does come at at at, you know with some challenges but i think with with better enforcement and education along our our parkway uh and and our other pathways 
that we can see a complementary use with the e-bikes and then also with people walking dogs and, and on non-motorized bikes and, uh, you know, other, other uses. I have noticed, uh, I'm sure you have too, a huge boom in my, you know, my six degrees of separation group of people who are now like commuting primarily in town on an e-bike and it may sound simple like on face that like oh you just get on your pedal bike and you ride to the moonflower or whatever but some people have children yep. some people have very limited amounts children not that having a child precludes riding your bike but sure. you, your child might be on board and you sure. just may not literally have the time absolutely yeah to accomplish those things and i know i'd add to that that i i know folks who work out in the valley at synergy or the park service headquarters who you know, wouldn't otherwise be willing to get on a, a pedal bike and, and at 7 a.m. pedal out to work. And uh, because of uh, what, what e-bikes provide them, they're, they're able to uh, avoid getting in a car every morning and, and pedal out to work. And I think that some of those routes, uh, you know, we could certainly uh, make life easier on them with some more pedestrian infrastructure out south of town. And then the flip side of that, too, is that I, another piece that I love is that there are uh, e-bike, mountain bike opportunities north of town that now people with, with that pedal assist can avoid also getting in a vehicle to paddle, pedal out to uh, some of the places where, where it is okay to, to ride e-bikes north of town on dirt. And increasingly there are more and more places where, where e-bikes are allowed and going to be allowed to, to, to operate. And, you know, currently with the you know, Dead Horse State Park, but we have a new uh, state park, uh, Utah Raptor State Park, that's opening north of town that just broke ground. They will be, there will be a trail system developed out there that'll be bike friendly. There's currently in the works a uh, trail system south of town uh, in Spanish Valley in actually San Juan County that also we're looking at uh, for being able to to allow e-bikes on. And so e-bike opportunities are definitely growing in the community without opening up some of the existing uh, non-motorized funded trails. So right now in at the very south end of the valley, right as you're starting to climb out of the valley on the left side is an area uh, that's known as Mud Springs. And it's within uh, the BLM's designation of a, a mountain bike focus area so it, it's it's in terms of the current management plan it's already an area that's been looked at as uh, a potential spot for the development of mountain bike trails and so Grand County and San Juan County uh, are, are now in an interlocal agreement and uh, the the trails are have have been designed have been mapped out uh, you know, we'll, they they will be a combination of professionally built by a, a, a contracted uh, trail building company, and then also by the you know part of them will be built by the through this interlocal agreement by the Grand County uh, trail building crew, and there looks like it could potentially be breaking ground in April. The first phase is is fully funded by uh, Utah Outdoor Recreation grants. Uh, secured by one San Juan County, but also Grand County in a cooperative agreement. And, uh, you know, it's looking to be a really amazing addition to our existing stock of, of bike systems, bike trail systems, um, and then just a wonderful complement to, to benefit all of those who live south of town, the increasing population south of town, so they don't have to drive through town and north of town. Speaking yeah. of um, resources that are a little bit south of town, um, there's 
the plans are underway and in the works for extending yes. a non-motorized path from our downtown to partway up Spanish Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, are you guys involved with that? Uh, Trailmix is a little bit involved in that. We are the, uh, the all things non-motorized. So the Trailmix committee is, is the advisory committee to the council on all things non-motorized. And that's the, and a lot of people don't, don't understand this, but that's not just recreation. That's non-motorized transportation too. And so this, uh, multi-use pathway that's in the works absolutely fits in that, that active transportation component of, of what our, our role with the county is. And so we are, we are advising the county on that. And what we're looking at is, so this is, will be uh, paralleling Spanish Valley Drive and, and so a multi-use pathway and multi-use meaning all things non-motorized, foot traffic, bike traffic, scooter traffic, everything that doesn't have a motor, but then also e-bikes. And so it will actually, you know, be a fully uh, accommodating transportation corridor, non, uh, non-motorized and e-bike transportation corridor, getting people off Spanish Valley Drive and the idea is that it'll extend, you know, eventually as far out as, as almost to, to uh, the, the county line. Oh, wow. And so, but right now we're, you know, our, our focus is getting it out to some of the new developments at uh, Arroyo Crossing and some places like that. Because uh, to me, you know, I value so much that, that, that the importance that pedestrian infrastructure and connectivity plays in affordability. And so as we're building affordable housing uh, out south of town where land is available to those efforts, uh, it's really important to connect these folks with town, with shopping, with uh, school, with work, with a uh, pedestrian corridor, because uh, that, you know, when, when you build without that pedestrian infrastructure, you know, you're adding a layer of complexity to these folks' lives where they have to buy and maintain a vehicle and just a little bit added added expense to their life so really important component of affordability and then just such a a, just a needed piece of our our greater transportation infrastructure so there are a lot of people working in that very condensed area who would be able to benefit from travel on that bike path or on that pedestrian path because nobody really wants to ride their bike on 191 no or spanish valley drive or spanish valley drive (laughs) Okay, going back to um, some other projects that are going on um, in conjunction with Trail Mix, we have broken ground on phase four of the Raptor route. Yep, soon to be complete. Wow. Yeah. That was fast. This one, this one is going really fast. So this is the fourth uh, installment of what's called the Raptor route. So it starts with Eagle Eye and then... Uh, in Sand Flats Recreation Area. In Sand Flats Recreation Area, yep. And so this was, was built and designed as an alternative to the lower portion of the whole enchilada, which has just become a, a world-renowned uh, trail, and that brings brings people from all over the world here to enjoy. And so this is a, a more moderate exit than the existing finish of, of the whole enchilada, which is the Porcupine uh, single track. And so now people can pop out of there along the Sand Flats Road and enjoy this four-part trail that starts with Eagle Eye and then Hawks Glide and then Falcon Flow. And now our newest section, which broke ground a couple of weeks ago, which is uh, Kestrel Run, uh, is already, you know, so much great work has gone in and it's, it's actually very close to completion. And this is the one that I'm most excited about because as a, as a, a bike rider who enjoys riding up to the trails, uh, Sand Flats Road, there's a really dangerous portion of Sand Flats Road that's called or referred to as Dave's Crack. And so one of the purposes of the way that uh, 
the Kestrel run was, was designed and laid out was to get both hikers coming or uh, bikers coming down, but also people walking up from the campgrounds there, get them off of Sand Flats Road, off of this really scary pinch point that's right at the summit of a, of a big hill. Um, and so give them a, a safe uh, route outside of the road. That's so, I mean, it's like, it's like the, the pedestrian walkway of Sandflats. It absolutely is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the hope is, and, and Sandflats is working hard and some other places are working hard, but then to, uh, you know, start focusing on the lower portion of the Sandflats road from the Slick Rock Trailhead up to Kestrel Run with some kind of uh, hardened surface path pathway adjacent to the road to again, get bikes off that, that dirt portion of the road. And yeah. If you could have like one like dream thing that you could do for trail mix, you could snap your finger and make something happen. What would that thing be for you? A explosion of community involvement. You know, at trail mix where we, we have a monthly meeting that's open to the public. And when, when people in the public come and are engaged, uh, the, the outcome is just, is, is always just so, so profound. And then, you know, we, we have monthly maintenance days that we're always looking for a place to, to focus our efforts, whether it's, uh, you know, a hiking trail, uh, a biking trail, an equestrian trail, a climbing access trail, or even our, our pathway through town. We're always just looking for public input to try to guide our, our efforts and our, our uh, work and then we just we you know we just need volunteers we just need we need people who are are passionate about about these places to to come and just to to roll up their sleeves and and lend a hand because we just we we find that we we get so much done and even more when we have uh, a community that that cares and wants to be involved it just makes it so much fun and and engaging and uh you know, it really, really helps helps motivate us to, to really take on bigger and bolder future projects and, and feel like we'll, we'll have the support when we need to. I'm going to hitch my cart to that pony a little <laughs> bit and say, as someone who has worked in climbing advocacy, people out there, if you find yourself or your friends or anyone, you know, sitting at a table next to you saying like, they should do something about that. They should do something about those goat heads. They should do something about those multiple trails. They should do something about whatever it is. You are they. They is not one group or person who's going to come out and fix that situation. You are they. It starts at the grassroots level. We all can do like small attainable goals that can have huge ripple effects. And, and trail mix, just to add to that, trail mix can absolutely be the microphone to that small voice. Uh, if you don't know how to get started or where to start, uh, but you know you know what needs to be done or, or you're passionate about something, come come let us be your voice. Come let us be your your machine to uh, your tool to make things happen. Because you know at every single Tremix meeting we're talking about issues involving the hiking community, the biking community, the pedestrian community, the active transportation community, the equestrian community, the trail running community, the, uh, the, the cross-country skiing community, you know, all of these non-motorized, if there's a non-motorized community, we are that, that organization that's, that's uh, you know, tasked with representing these communities and, and, and identifying what the needs are and, and trying to, to, to help out with that. 
Well, this has been a fantastic conversation as always with you, Colin, and I appreciate you coming on the show. And I know our listeners are going to appreciate hearing what you have to say. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. <laughs> you can catch Great Wide Open on the KZMU Airwaves every second Monday of the month at 4 p.m. Archives are at kzmu.org or on your podcast player at KZMU Public Affairs.